Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Early in the program, we're talking about Canada's economic recovery and uh, some of the obstacles uh, that are, are in the way here right now. And, and some of them are easily fixed. Uh, it, you know, as long as you have the, the dedication to do what needs to be done here. But there's another element here, and that's foreign investment, uh, that we really start to lag behind. As a matter of fact, there's a pretty strong argument to be made that we've always lagged behind. And Canadian investors have uh, reasons to be frustrated. Now more than usual, it's difficult to know what to make of the outlook for the Canadian economy or for Canadian stocks. And a lot of people are pointing to the way the government tries to evaluate just how well we're doing with our economic recovery. It's an interesting point. And our next guest, I think, can shed some light on that. He is uh, Moshe Lander. Moshe, of course, is a senior economics lecturer at Concordia University. Uh, Moshe, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. Good morning. I'm reading an op-ed piece that was in the Globe and Mail the other day, and I, I'm sure you saw it too, uh, which talks about something that uh, a lot of us, I, I think, have heard on a daily basis when we're talking about economic recovery, and that's gross domestic product and those numbers. And they say, hey, you know, they're they're encouraging, they're good, they're showing that you know we're we're doing all the right things. But as as this piece pointed out, that may be an outdated statistic given uh, some of the challenges we're facing these days. Yeah, GDP has long been one of those things that I struggle to teach to students because it, it's a technical definition that probably made a lot more sense when the economy was built on manufacturing and agriculture and you could actually measure the number of widgets that are being produced. But in a service sector economy where so much of it is intangible and goodwill, uh, this definition doesn't really hold up into the 21st century. But for the lack of something better to use, it's the one that we continue to, to use as the benchmark. Except what uh, the op-ed piece uh, argues is there is a better uh, tool to use here. They're just the Canadian government is rather reticent, shall we say, and it's uh, it's GT, GDP per capita. Maybe explain that to our listeners. Yeah, so even GDP per capita is just taking that uh, value of final goods and services being produced in Canada and dividing it by either the number of hours that are worked to produce it or the number of people that are used to produce it. So it, it's loosely a measure of productivity. And so on that, yeah, Canada doesn't necessarily do as well as maybe some other rich world countries. Uh, and it's long been thought that productivity, this GDP per capita, is the key to delivering long-term gains in standard of living. And so as, as we slow down, the Americans slowing down as well, uh, it might suggest why maybe we're stagnant. Uh, they use an analogy here that I wanted to run by you. Uh, he says it's not it's not how large the pizza is that you ordered; it's how many people are actually going to want a piece of it that really determines how successful you're going to be. Is is that an apt analogy? Yeah, it, it's it's. I mean, any way that you want to cut it up um, and put it into into per person terms that that's that is true. Um, but you know, even there, it's maybe masking some of the story as well because. We can divide up a pizza, say, eight ways where everybody gets an equal slice, or we could divide it up eight ways where we have very unequal distribution as well, right? It's one of those things that GDP per capita is not going to pick up on then. So, you know, we have other measures to try and pick up on those things too. And that's partly a, a function of the politics of, of any society as to what is that trade-off between, you know, fair and equitable distribution versus just, you know, whoever grabs the biggest slice is the one that gets to eat the most. 
But is there an international consensus uh, as, as to how to actually qualify that quantify uh, this, this kind of growth? In other words, you know, something that, that people in Europe or in, in other parts of the world can understand, like a, a common denominator, so to speak, so to do a proper evaluation of, of Canada's, uh, in, well, put it this way, investor potential. There is and there isn't. This is where the, the devil in the details becomes a problem. So GDP in general is generally accepted you know, internationally as being the same sort of uh, calculation. The issue is, uh, let's say that in our society, uh, we value giving people extended breaks for parental leave, uh, where other societies maybe aren't as generous or have some sort of cultural bias that you're expected to go back to work even when you have a kid, right? You drop them off in daycare and off you go. So now we have a, a discussion then about are, are we measuring people the same way, not necessarily the output that's being produced? Or uh, what if a country, for example, like Canada, has legalized marijuana, but the U.S. is maybe patchy at its approach? At the federal level, it's still illegal. So we include marijuana in our GDP calculations. The Americans do not. So, you know, in terms of the size of the pizza then and the number of people eating at it, we might not be talking about the same thing. And so this makes for all kinds of issues, let alone exchange rate discussions and how far does a dollar travel here versus somewhere else in the world. With that in mind, then, why doesn't Canada do as well as we probably could or should be doing when it comes to attracting foreign investment? So part of it is that, you know, when we start putting these rules, and, and you and I have talked extensively about the housing market in this country, when mm -hmm. the government starts putting restrictions on how foreign investment can come into this country, you can invest in certain parts of the economy, but not in other parts, or you can invest in these parts as long as you bring minimum amounts. This starts to become a headache for, for people that are looking to just invest their money where they're going to get the highest return. And if the rules are changing today, who's to say that the rules aren't going to change three, five, ten years from now? And so when you're looking for foreign investment, it's usually not for six months at a time. It's for, for decades. And so this is the type of thing where clarity can be the enemy of foreign investment that just give me something that's clearly understood, even if it's even if it's uh, very, very thick with rules. As long as those rules are understandable and not subject to change, uh, that might be more comfortable than something that's rules light but constantly changing. Uh, okay. I, I, I don't want to... Beat the death out of the pizza uh, metaphor here, but uh, is, is part of our problem that uh, that what we're putting on the pizza is usually a double dose of protectionism. I mean, there are laws here and, and government regulations here, as you say, about foreign ownership with real estate, uh, foreign ownership of uh, foreign ownership of of of, of, of manufacturing facilities of of tech companies. Uh, you know, it's not an open door policy by any stretch of the imagination, and that might make uh, people a little hesitant to, to to knock on the door here and say, "What have you got for us?" It is, um, and that can be a problem. Uh, I, I would point out too, though, that you know one of these economic truisms is that because we're a net importer and have been for the last couple of decades, um, there's this requirement that the amount that we are a net importer has to be matched by an equivalent amount of net capital coming into this country. So it, it it's partly a factor then of how does it come into this country and where's it going to target? And so it's always going to target then the maximum return for the least amount of risk. So I, I think more than what we're saying you know, that we're limiting the amount of dollars that are coming in. That's not really true. What we're doing is we're dictating where those dollars are going uh, by creating these various rules and, and various pizza toppings, I guess. Yeah, but uh, I, I, I see your point. But I mean, for instance, I, I know Verizon would love to come in here tomorrow if they could. But basically, there, there are barriers put up there. So, you know, and I'm sure that they would be very 
generous with the contributions and, and the investments they would make here. Uh, so are, are the, these quote-unquote barriers that the, the government is setting up for these policies about uh, the percentage of foreign investment, a percentage of foreign ownership, for instance, uh, are, are they limiting our potential? Yeah. Um, yeah. So when that money is coming in, it might look for industries X, Y, and Z and say, this is the ideal place that we want to be. And government regulation says that's not accessible to you, uh, but you can have A, B, and C if you'd like instead. Uh, the, the foreign money will still come in because it needs to match those net imports. But yeah, the government is is you know tilting the playing field and they're saying that there are certain industries that are off limits. Uh, you're citing you know cell phones. Uh, I'll bring uh, banks to the table yeah. and say, when was the last time that you saw a foreign bank come in and say, you know, we want to set up shop here? We actually just saw HSBC. Uh, looks like it actually wants to get out of Canada. Uh, for yeah, for possibly the same reasons right now. So, uh, all right, uh, we've we've identified the problem, and you've done a fabulous job of articulating it as usual. Uh, I got about thirty seconds for you to give us the solution now. I mean, what 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 do we need to do to get to make us attractive again to try to attract that? Because, uh, as you say, we're so reliant on this right now, and and the criticism seems to be that our Canadian government doesn't do all that it should be doing to try to to uh, you know find that balance between you know trying to protect our industry certainly but at the same time try to in invite that that foreign investment and make it attractive to the to those investors so here's the 30 second or less response okay so how about we say let's worry about first making the pizza as big as possible then worrying about how to divide it up rather than trying to worry about dividing it up as we're baking the pizza uh, if we do the former that's going to allow for a much faster uh, increase in standards of living uh, than doing it the way that we're doing right now and trying to make sure that everybody's moving in lockstep with each other. Uh, that just scares off uh, people wanting to be a part of, of a growing economy. Okay. And with that in mind, uh, are, are some of the social safety net uh, options that we offer here, as you say, maybe longer uh, uh, you know, time off after having children and things like this, uh, de dental care programs, et cetera, uh, are those assets or liabilities uh, when it comes to foreign investment? It's what society is willing to trade off. So there is a fundamental trade off between, say, efficiency, making that pizza as big as possible, and equity, making sure that everybody gets an equal slice. And so society has to choose what that trade off it's willing to accept. And so in Canada, it seems that in general, we're more willing to accept a smaller pizza as long as it's equally divided than a large pizza that might be more unequally divided. Uh, that's part of politics then. And so it, it does have consequences, but it seems to be that the consequences we're willing to accept. Uh, I might come on a different time and discuss whether Canadians actually realize that's the trade-off that's in front of them, but that seems to be what we're we're choosing for now. Okay, I got a pretty good idea what I'm going to order for lunch now after our <laughs> conversation here. But uh, uh, great to get your perspective, and thanks for clearing this up for Moshe. As always, take care. We'll talk Anytime. again soon. I hope. Take care, Moshe Lander, a senior economics lecturer at Concordia University. The Bill Kelly Show weekdays from nine to noon on 900 CHML.